another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the show that always sorts its recycling into the proper receptacles, because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> Despite the fact that we live in a city that just throws them in the same compactor. Yeah, oh, absolutely. God, uh, I'm, I'm I, I, You said that I'm and I immediately your... had angry old man opinions. I got, I mean, I'm mad. Like, recycling's a scam in our city. Yeah. In most cities, actually. I'm one of your hosts, I'm Marty Schneider. I'm the other host, Dan Ludwig. Society is an illusion. Everything is a lie. Hey, everyone. Hi. You might be surprised to know that we're not on summer vacation. Uh, We're not on a season break. We will be after this. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is our season finale, probably. It's been a bit. I'm sorry. But I'm not that sorry. While we've been away, a good thing that people could have done is write us ratings and reviews. We haven't done a pitch for ratings and reviews in a while. It's so nice to write a review for a basically inactive podcast. That is such a kind thing to do. Here's the thing. I want to read. Normally, I'm pretty good about, like, checking up on our podcast reviews every couple of weeks to see if we've got a new one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, I mean, it's been a bit since we've gotten a new one, so I don't feel that bad, but... uh, for some reason, I've been having trouble, you know, focusing on the podcast for the past couple weeks. But we got a new one. We got a new one, and I'm going to read it to you. It's from from Grant. Oh, hey! It's from Grant God of Chip it. and Ironicus fame. Oh, shit. It's from Grant. And Grant writes... Grant, who's been on the show twice, yeah. writes, oh, Stage 5, Acceptance. A lot of people's grandpas have died, and now I think that's a good thing. Thanks. Five stars. What the fuck, Grant? <laughs> <laughs> Was that a... What? You know, we, we, Is we make he, that... Did jo- he spread that out over several different podcast reviews? <laughs> Are we going to go on 5-4 and see Bargaining? That's the number one review when you look up Breaking Mayberry. It's kind of... It has accidentally become our mission of just telling you that pop pop had it coming i mean we make that joke about ourselves all the time but to hear someone else say it is <laughs> uh but you know what honestly i don't I, I was gonna come on here and be like hey everybody you should give us ratings and reviews so that that's not the number one thing people associate us with but after this week fuck it yeah yeah i'm fine with that i mean still go on and give us ratings and reviews by the way, we have 24 ratings, 23 are five stars, one is a four-star review, and I just want to know what we lost that one star on. It was one of our navel-gazing episodes that did it. One of those ones where we just oh. talked about ourselves the entire time. Oh, you mean the the podcast where we talk about that we're on a podcast like we're doing right now? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, always yeah. entertaining. I'm sorry, so we've been gone for a bit. Uh, Dan and I both attempted to go on vacation. You sent me a text that I want to discuss, and I know I know that right now we're doing the thing we said we wouldn't do when discussing our vacation, but whatever. You sent me a text that I want to discuss, because about three days into your vacation, I get a text from you at 10.30 at night. Mm-hmm. And that text reads, I don't have my phone in front of me, but it te- reads something to the effect of, Hey man, our house sitter <laughs> is really too stoned, and is, a, is scared of a cockroach. Can you go and check it out? <laughs> yeah. 
we were we were shit house drunk in a hotel bar. We got our friend to watch the apartment, just basically like, "Hey, get out of the house, stay at our place, just just keep an eye on things." Turns out that he is deathly afraid of cockroaches. The story that we got was he saw one in the bathroom and he describes it as like one of the cockroaches from Naked Lunch says it's the biggest insect he's ever seen. And also it was incredibly fast and aggressive. He said that it that he it repeatedly darted around the apartment at one point climbing all over the dog's toys. It, it was like terrorizing. It was like running around the apartment and he was nice enough to uh, catalog the whole thing for us by calling us on FaceTime. It was the best student film I've ever seen. It was like some Blair Witch shit of just like him panting and running around the apartment. At one point, he gathered all of our cleaning supplies underneath the uh, like from underneath the sink. And he was like formulating a battle strategy. I'm hammered and I'm just like talking him through it. Be like, you got to do it. Listen, you got to spray it with the Febreze and then you got to go in with the shoe. All right. It's a cockroach. It'll slow it down, but it won't kill it. They're very sturdy. So you're going to have to whack it really hard. Um, (laughs) And and just kind of like talking him through it. And then after a certain point, I was like, I just need to call somebody over. (laughs) I was considering talking. I I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. Like, what did you expect me to fucking do about it, man? What after a certain point, we it was up for debate whether or not the cockroach, the cockroach was, ex- was real because was, this was, was real. The the account was a superhuman cockroach. Like if this cockroach was doing all the things he was seeing it do, that's a an that's you're describing Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black, more you know? or less. Yeah, <laughs> I would be if. If this cockroach was able to move with this speed and was this aggressive in the presence of a human being, I would also be standing on a table. Uh, Look, I I know that cockroaches are gross, but for the most part, they try to leave people the fuck alone. They genuinely, I, there was like one point where I was like, listen, man, what you got to do is you got to make a bunch of noise. You got to turn on a bunch of lights because what cockroaches do is they run under stuff when there's a bunch of lights. And he did it and he made a bunch of noise. He was like, it's not running. It's not running. Oh, so you're making it worse. (laughs) Yes. If anything, I'm telling him to antagonize the cockroach. So I was like, all right, there's one of two possibilities. Either he's too high, he's hallucinating a cockroach, and someone needs to just go there and tell him that there is no cockroach. Or B, he is in a genuine danger from some sort of super cockroach, in which case, yeah, he should probably have some backup. So, And, and I, sat, I sat there, like, I look at my text, and you sent it to me, and all I can respond is, what? Yeah. No, what? And it's like, hey man, and you tell me, hey man, just go and check on it. Just you know, you don't you don't even have to really kill the bug. There may not even be a bug. Just pretend to kill the bug. Go look at the and- corner that he's saying the cockroach has established as its base of operations, and just look at it and say, "There's a cockroach there," or "There is no cockroach there." And I kind of sat there, and here's the thing that kept me from doing it. First off, I was like, "Is this a serious request?" And I, I asked you, "Is this a serious request?" And I will never forget your response, which was. Would you do it if it were? Yes. Which and be- I kind of sat there going, there are a limited number of like, I will drop everything and do this favor for you type of favors in our friendship. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to burn one on this, mm-hmm. if you really want to like cross that, that off, I'll do it. Yeah. 
the thing the thing that was really keeping me from just jumping in the car and, and doing it right then it was like it was because it was late it was like 11 o'clock is that i was going on vacation myself yeah. the next day and i had a great parking spot so it was this <laughs> like i i had a great parking spot already and i did not want to have to drive around and look for parking when i got home so it was this sort of like debate in my head of like inconvenience versus potential hilarity I, and it was just on the wrong side of that balance. So I'm sorry I couldn't help you, bud. It, but also, I don't care. I was very tempted. Once you actually started treating it as a serious question, I was very tempted just on the basis of, imagine you're in a strange apartment, you're really high, you've been confronted by one of your by your most profound phobia, a thing that you are genuinely uh, have a lifelong terror of, and then here's Marty, who's just here. Just like, just you going to be like, hey, I'm here too. You don't know me. Here's my whole deal. Oh, man. Just I could have fucked with him. Yeah. I've got, I've got so many like leftover Halloween costumes that could have, that, like, imagine, imagine I come in and I'm just, you know, the dresses the goose from Untitled Goose Game. Yes. <laughs> So I could have just, I could have gone to your house and just messed with a paranoid stranger. You could have. That's good. You could have crammered into somebody's fucking fever dream. Somebody's like worst case scenario. Damn, I I wish you had. mm, Yeah. mm, Might have been worth the inconvenience, honestly. (laughs) So what actually happens, man? How how does this story end? Because like, I blocked your number. Yes. He, uh... (laughs) I think he he went to sleep with all the lights on, no further sign of the cockroach. We did there is some credence to it because when he was pointing the phone at the corner where the where the cockroach was like basically re- continually retreating to, we did see some movement, so I think there might have actually been some sort of super cockroach. So I think I think this was legit. Uh so I guess I, I guess the ending is kind of one of those, like, like we're safe, but for how long endings? Yeah. It seems like a good fucking move, a good fucking segue into our thing. So, uh, it is our season finale, and as is, tech, is tradition, we find a film featuring one of our, uh... Protagonists? One of our stars, one of our protagonists, Andy or Dawn, um... And we thought we were going to do, like, a switch-off Andy Dawn, Andy Dawn, Andy Dawn, whatever. We, this is another made... I found out about this movie, and I was like, I have to do this. We have to yes. make this a priority. Because the description is so batshit. Yeah. So so we are talking about another Andy Griffith made-for-TV movie from the 1980s, which we did in the last season finale, but I don't care. This one is called Murder in Coweta County. Mm-hmm. Coweta? Like they, they, they pronounce this, this Coeta County. Here's the description that made me watch this. A one-eyed soothsayer mm-hmm. leads a Georgia sheriff played by Johnny Cash. Yeah. To a big shot, Andy Griffith, who play, who crossed the wrong county line. So this is the story. So in this movie, uh, this movie takes place in 1948. Andy Griffith plays a Southern businessman landowner. Kind of basically a southern mob boss guy uh, who runs his county. We get we get a great opening title frame that talks about his his uh, jurisdiction, his land that they literally call the kingdom, and he runs this county and he's so powerful in it. 
he commits a murder. He, uh, he has a altercation with one of his field hands and kills him in the next county over, mm-hmm. where Sheriff Johnny Cash yeah. is in charge and is hunting him down. And I'm like, this is batshit and dumb. And also, we didn't we we jumped over the one eyed soothsayer. Okay, we jumped so that over description the bad part entirely. Wildly inaccurate. She a, is the, there. This isn't the gift. She's not leading yeah. the charge. She yeah, shows no, up to say it, some batshit stuff, and then everyone's like, "Well, that was fun. All right, let's go." It makes her seem like a, a bigger part of it than it is. And by the way, we should point out she's played by June Carter Cash. Yeah, uh, <laughs> an absolutely nuts place to put her. So it's just a batshit premise entirely even more so when you find out that this is based on a real story yeah like this we, is based on the, we're, we're we're now a true crime podcast dan we have become the true crime podcast that talks about our vacations the thing that we've made fun of numerous times we're a like, true crime podcast about basically the most solved murder ever like <laughs> the most definitively solved murder a a, a murder in which Halfway through the movie, someone is like, well, they got him. (laughs) They got him pretty hard, almost to an insane degree. This guy just kind of just just threw evidence around like confetti. He like he looked several witnesses in the eye and was just like, I'm doing a murder and I have no remorse about it. And as he's driving up, he's like, this was premeditated. (laughs) This movie basically becomes a uh, an extended episode of Law and Order. Yeah. Uh, after a certain point, and when they got to the order part, the trial scene, the prosecuting attorney stands up and says that he's going to talk, give the co- testimony of thirty six witnesses, and corroborate that with forty seven points of evidence. And I'm not a trial attorney, but even me, I was just like, damn. Yeah, Fuck. yeah, I know they fucking got you, man. I, I hit 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 pause, and I was like, "How much time is left in this movie?" <laughs> there were so many. Basically, the movie was over at the twenty minute mark, where somebody just announced, "Like, oh, hey, by the way, Johnny Cash is going to absolutely destroy you." Th- that's kind of the fun thing is because this was based off of a real murder that everybody was very gung ho about. It does not have any of like the traditional like. Like wet, like gothic noir pacing. There's no like push and pull or game of cat and mouse or like power dynamics. Johnny Cash fucks him, just like absolutely like kicks his shit in from minute twenty to the hour and a half mark. Just absolutely wrecks Andy Griffith's shit, which is simultaneously really bad, but also really fun. Um. Andy Griffith's character is the worst villain. He's so shitty. He loses early and often. I mean, that's part of what's... Let, okay, let's let's walk through this a little bit, uh, if we will. So, Andy Griffith plays uh, a character. He plays um, a businessman named John Wallace. And like I mentioned before, John Wallace runs the kingdom. The kingdom that is his county, which is not Kuwaita County. Uh... His his county is like Merriweather. Merriweather Mary- County. I, I thought it was Mayweather at be- at the beginning. Like we've mentioned before, that Andy Griffith throughout the seventies and eighties kind of spent a lot of time trying to get away from the Mayberry image. 
trying really hard not to embrace it and do something else. I took notes in the first 20 minutes of this of how often something happens that is like Bizarro World Mayberry. The yeah. very first thing we see John Wall is doing, Andy Griffith doing, is running moonshine. Yeah. That's the very first scene is he's running moon or he's paying off moonshiners uh, to take stuff off of his property. I started just keeping track of like Mayberryisms. He goes into town. He he donates a bunch of money to the church so the church people like him. I thought the town was called Mayweather. He gets mad at someone and says, "You're starting to act like you are somebody," which is the exact opposite of inform of what Andy Taylor has told his son. You know, go out there and act like you're somebody. Mm-hmm. He's told Opie that at one point in time, a nameless angry woman brings fried chicken to the jail. <laughs> With an apron, but she's just kind of like, like a, like a real hard ass Aunt B. She's really she's like, mean. Here's your fucking food. Chicken. Eat your fucking chicken or don't, bitch. And then I just hate walks you. off. I'm holding and the baby. I, here's some fucking chicken. So it's it's all these like moments of just anti Mayberryness, and I'm kind of like writing down every single thing that could possibly be a Mayberry reference. And I'm like, okay, this this can't possibly be true. And then a dude steals a cow. Yeah. <laughs> And then a man steals a fucking cow, and I'm like, you're doing this on purpose. Yeah. Right? And he, the guy he steals like, a cow. He read this script, and he was like, this checks all the boxes of things I fucking hate. But then I found out the insane thing is that the cow theft happened in real life. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> That's also part of this. This whole thing was shockingly accurate. I was reading through the Wikipedia of the actual crime, and I was like, oh, wow, that was real. <laughs> he actually did push a guy, put a dead body in a well awesome so so john wallace runs this town or this county everybody loves him if you need to picture uh what andy griffith is like in this this is pre-matlock andy griffith so jowls silver hair i've kind of this is our fourth movie in which andy griffith plays a psychopath the first one was pre-andy griffith with face in the crowd where he plays sort of a um uh a magnanimous trump type and then he became andy griff andy taylor became like america's dad um and then once that show ended yeah like basically was trying to distance himself from it first he did stuff like pray for the wildcats where he's like i'm like andy griffith but i'm seedy and shifty and not trustworthy and then the next one he's like i'm like andy griffith but i'm i'm crazy and and weird i think what was it savages was the one we watched savages Yeah. yeah And then this one, where I feel like people still weren't getting it, and they were like, Andy Griffith, our dad. And he's like, all right, well, now I'm a feral badger man. I'm just like a rabid animal that's kind of sweating and storming through the movie. Uh, I'm, I'm almost sub-mammalian. Uh, what mean, do you guys think about that? Let's just, get to the, let's just get to the point here, man. Like, at this point, Andy's like, I'm, I want to be – you guys still think I'm Andy Taylor? You guys still think I'm Andy Taylor? Fine. Here's the N-word. Hard R. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. Here I go. Hard R N-word multiple times in this movie. Eh? Eh? Yeah. Eh? Puts a lot of oomph into it. You can kind of see where he gets the idea from Matlock, though, in this movie. Like, uh, because Matlock's gonna come on in, like, three more years. And, and the courtroom scenes in this, you're, you see the beginning of that. So, the whole thing kicks off when one of the people that work for him... Uh, a gentleman by the name of Wilson Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilson Turner has been running moonshine on his own in territory that 
John Wallace said not to, or he said we're going to take a break from this or whatever. They, ba- Turner, he basically says like the heat's the heat's on too much. We're pausing moonshine, and he's like, "Well, I have a, a new baby. I gotta earn money, so I'm going to still run moonshine, and I'm going to." He's like, "I successfully outran the cops. I did some real Dukes of Hazard shit." He shows up like really proud, like you should have seen those cops fishtailing. Andy Griffith promptly walks into the scene and beats the shit out of him. Whips his ass. Takes his money. He also introduces himself in this movie by, uh, I don't know if you remember, crushing a black man's hands with a car door. Yes. Yeah. uh, That's our introduction to him is, first off, the town sheriff pulls up and goes, hey, I got that guy you said had been stealing from you. And then Andy Griffith just pulls out a gun and is like, hey, man, what's up? I'm going to smash your hands in a car door like I'm fucking kingpin. Yeah. for the first little bit of this, I'm like, this movie is is fucking hardcore. Remember, this is a TV movie. This aired, like, Sunday night at CBS. Yeah. Somebody watched you know. this after, like, what, Alf? Yeah. <laughs> pretty hardcore for a TV movie. There is a car chase scene that's pretty good. Yeah. And so this this is where the, the, the cow theft comes in. After getting kicked out of the gang and being kicked off of the land, Wilson Turner's like, all right, motherfucker, fine. You don't want to see me again? You're not going to see me again, but I'm stealing your fucking cow. He yeah. steals the man's cow and goes to sell it. He gets caught. He gets arrested. And so Wilson Turner is dragged off into prison or to jail. This is where we meet the the anti-bee, the anti-ant bee. He like yells out the window and is like, nobody knows I'm here. Somebody, yeah. somebody help. It's it's a good he, scene. He's not even like, get me out of jail. He's like, somebody tell my wife I'm in jail. So there's like, yeah. they can't dispose of my body discreetly. Yeah, he knows what's fucking coming. You yeah, know? he's he's in the jail, which is apparently just their living room. <laughs> like the jail is the sheriff's house and they just put bars on like one of their guest rooms it's really weird because like his wife is just walking around with a baby and just being like i guess i work here i'm not fucking happy about it i'm in no qual no way qualified i'm not in a fucking uniform uh my husband just turned my like my guest room into a a jail cell my sister can't visit anymore that's great i'm pretty pissed about it also this guy wants fucking chicken they let him out like she's told or she announces that he needs to be let out of jail at the stroke of noon For he gets lack in his of car. evidence yeah he gets in his car he sees that like the he had a full tank of gas and now it's on empty and he's like and oh he's- what do you guys do you joyride in my car he first he's like very like Uh, reticent about it it. first he's like why you guys let me out of jail this is fishy and then he gets out and he's like you know what i'm i'm just gonna take this on face value oh you guys it's it's funny that my gas tank is empty you rascals taking my car for a joyride empty in my gas tank it's such a weird tone to take with it yeah yeah he drives up and there is john wallace and his whole gang waiting for him in the middle of town square yeah you know he tells John Wallace, like, oh, hey, I don't I guess you didn't hear. I got let out of jail. And John Wallace says, no, actually, you escaped. And it's like, oh, he's using false pretenses to be able to murder him as an escape convict. Oh, that's so clever. This guy's a really good criminal mastermind. Nope, not not the case, because he just goes like, all right, well, I'm going to get in my car and drive away. Uh, an empty tank of gas can still get you 
pretty far. So Yeah, so he just turns around and drives, and then they get in their cars and chase after him. There's a pretty good chase scene, you know, as far as Yeah. As far as these things go. Uh they catch up, they 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 even uh call attention to him crossing the county line. You know, one of the henchmen's like, Boss, you can't go over the county line and he's like, Get him Yeah <laughs> And at one point they like almost run over a chain gang and they're like, Oh, we got witnesses now. This is now becoming an increasingly complicated situation, not at all conducive to a covert murder. And Andy Griffin is like, I don't care. I do not see any possible issues with that. Uh <laughs> I am no longer in a safe place, and there are several witnesses around. I am going to continue with the original plan. And so, and yeah, he, uh, Wallace pulls up outside of a diner and is just like, "Hey, fucking help! Help! This guy's gonna kill me!" Uh, they all pull up. There are multiple witnesses: the cop, uh, the cook, the pe- waitress of the diner, everybody, you know, people who are staying there. They see Andy, uh, Andy Griffith, John Wallace, drag. Wilson back into his car, hit him upside the head with his gun, and the gun goes off. They say, fuck off, mind your own business, and drag him back in across the county. And I gotta be clear here, like, we're making fun of this, but that's sort of the point of the entire movie, is just that, like, Andy Griffith's character is so damned arrogant. Yeah. And just to a delusional degree, uh... That he's just by the fact that he's him, he's not like nothing bad is going to happen to him ever just on the grounds that he's who he is. And that's kind of interesting, especially because like he's in jail for the entire second half of the movie. It's kind of crazy because uh, John Wallace for the entire movie basically thinks he's in a movie. Where he's like, oh, don't worry. There's going to be a game of cat and mouse. I'm going to do maneuvers to clear my name. And uh, they'll have to outsmart me. To which everybody else goes, no, we're cops. Yeah. We, there's a billion of us. And we're just going to do it. Like, he's like, all right, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to say some really smooth shit that's going to confound Johnny Cash. And Johnny Cash is just like, and you're arrested. Like, does it that, even do the thing? The scene that you're talking about, he pulls up to the Coweta County, Court, County Courthouse thinking that he's won because he's disposed of the body. He's burned the body. And he's like, yeah. guess what? It's Georgia. You don't have a body. You don't have a murder. So he pulls up to the body or he pulls up to the courthouse with his lawyer, just like, do, 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 do. And uh, Johnny Cash's partner looks out the window and he's like, you're going to fucking believe this. Dude, he's pulling up in the chase vehicle. <laughs> he's, he's pulling up in the car that we... He pulled up in the car, and they, they even, like, look at it. He pulled up to the station with the gun still in the car. Yes. The, and uh, they, like, after they arrest him, he goes in and he's like, Well, well, well. Looks like we finally meet antagonist and protagonist. Time for us to trade some barb. And Johnny Cash just goes, And arrested and go to jail cell. Oh, and I'm going to take a look at this gun. Oh, look at that. There's brains on the handle. I wonder if there's anything in the car. Oh, yeah, look. Several blood stains. Cool, cool. This is way easier than it should be at the 30-minute mark. Yeah, and this is kind of, I think, where the movie starts to fall apart for me. Yeah. Because right? I was on board of all of this. I'm even on board you... with fucking Johnny Cash's 
dog shit performance. Oh my god, can uh, we talk about he's Johnny Cash in this? So out of his element. Okay, actually, let me premise this, Dan. Yeah. A long time ago, a couple of years ago, if you had asked me like to do like a fan casting for mm-hmm. a Superman movie, you were like, hey, who should play Lex Luthor? I would have said, and I might still say it today, Kanye West. Okay. Kanye West. And my, my reasoning for this is, what is Lex Luthor if not a completely egomaniacal, deluded billionaire who believes that no one man should have all that power? Okay. That is his whole fucking sh- his whole fucking shtick. His whole beef with Superman is that he thinks that Superman is going to abuse that power because he would abuse that power if he had it. So, mm-hmm. like Kanye, Lex Luthor believes no one man should have all that power. Is that a stupid casting reason? Yes. Is it cheesy and dumb? Yes. yes absolutely. Is it the exact fucking logic that led to Johnny Cash <laughs> being cast as the as the sheriff in this movie he's basically walking around as the narrator of of someday god's gonna cut you down yes like he's very much capitalizing on this image that he's conducted of just like the the angel of retribution god's black knight yeah and that's and that's the thing everybody says what's his name sheriff potts yeah everybody calls sheriff potts like he's a tracker yeah he's He'll never stop. He'll never hunt you down. Or he's going to hunt you down. And it's it's uh, really kind of diluted by how easy it fucking is. Yeah. It's um the, the way they frame it was, remember when that guy cut off his wife's legs? He tracked him three counties over. And I was just kind of like, all right, well, that's not a good example because I should hope so that he right. would probably stick to it a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe put at least a year or two of work into that. Um, that by, the, like, by the way, that's Andy Griffith N word number one. Yeah, because uh, he's like Andy N-word. Griffith is like well, and well, like, well of N-word. course of course he went a- of course he went after that guy. He's black. Yeah, he's not gonna go after me. I'm white. Duh. Yeah. Duh. This this is a this is a regular theme. Um, it's it's kind of you're. It, this is less a uh, a cat and mouse game and more a guy going through all the stages of grief. Like, he goes through, like, denial, anger, bargaining. I would say he goes through denial, denial, denial yeah. for, I'm going to say, 89 minutes of the 90-minute runtime. <laughs> yes. Uh, and spoiler alert, that last minute is him getting the electric chair. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so Johnny Cash's performance, Let's let's hone in on... Um, th- this was definitely the period where like, Hey, you're famous. You can sing. You must also be an actor. Let's give you a variety show. Let's, you can probably do sketch comedy, right? So they gave Johnny Cash a movie and this is like the period between like young, hot Johnny Cash and like old man, Johnny Cash, like elder statesman, John. Yeah, exactly. I think he just did like, he was just a villain on Columbo a couple of years ago, probably. Um, yeah. he's good in that episode of Columbo. He's horrible in this he fucks up walking like did you notice that he's constantly like shifting between a weird like limp swagger and a penguin waddle where he'll do like like hand sway hand sway hand in pocket long strut oh (laughs) switch into mr poplar's penguins like he just he like is constantly like changing up the way he walks as if he's like unsure of how it works he he's really 
you said Columbo. I feel like he's trying to channel some dragnet, it feels like. Yeah. But he doesn't know what he wants to really do with anything. And since the entire middle third of the movie is just him, really the entire two, last two thirds of the movie is him big dicking around. Mm-hmm. Like, it requires a level of swagger that Johnny Cash didn't have. No. Uh, there's a lot like there's a lot of things you associate with Johnny Cash, but swagger is not among them. Mm-mm. So it's kind of like you're trying to play up how great he is, but also how humble he is. And it's just it, it, it doesn't it requires like the technique of a professional actor, not a dude who is only there because his wife wanted to play a witch. You know who is the person that they like they probably like wanted for this? This was a Frank Sinatra role. Like, I feel mm. like this was written for, like, Frank Sinatra's acting career where he's, like, all swagger and shit like that. That's yeah, what I was, like, yeah. I was picking up. And Johnny Cash was just, like... He does treat himself, like, he basically does, like, I, I am an I'm an inevitability. I'm going to catch you. It's going to be an inevitable. It's going to happen. And he doesn't have to, like, he doesn't have to command that much. It's just... He doesn't have, and this is a weird thing to say about, you know, Johnny Cash, one of the most commanding people on the planet. Here's the the example I can think of. There is one scene where Johnny Cash is going to pick up a witness that he thinks he can get to talk, but is kind of belligerent. And he pulls up to the house, and all of this guy's brothers are there with bats and, like, weapons and things. And there's, like, eight or ten dudes all yeah. there, like... You want our brother, you're going to have to, you're, you know, you're going to have to take all of us. And Johnny Cash just stares them all down and goes, all right, I'm going to get that, man. And if you want to come with him, all you got to do is get in my way. And they all just kind of like put down their, their like bats and back away and just let him go through. And I didn't buy it. No, I didn't it, buy it for a second. This whole story requires him to like exude death like just just put off like a field of pure terror but he's just like johnny cash the same way that he said another line of like hey you gotta go buy that young boy some pants he needs a new pair of pants go buy him go buy him a size 34 pair of pants like he he says that because the the specific sequence of events is they he pulls up with like 14 guys he at all times has a posse of like like three to 18 men following him around and he pulls up and he's like all right there's a bunch of guys there i don't want no bloodbath everybody throw your guns in the back of a car and all the guys are like what okay this seems like a bad idea but sure uh guess sure you're trying to like de-escalate the situation and then he walks up to the group he's like all right, anybody touches one of my deputies, I'm going to shoot you in the face. And, it's, and I just imagine one of the guys behind him just going like, what? <laughs> Why do you do? I can shoot him in the face. Why did you make me get rid of my gun? But then he doesn't even like involve the deputies. He's just like, also, I'm going to walk through here and I'm going to grab the guy and I'm going to arrest anybody that tries to stop me. Is 56-year-old uh, Johnny Cash an imposing figure? Yes. Is John, 56-year-old Johnny Cash an imposing figure enough that I believe that 8 to 10 dudes with bats would just step away because he said something kind of sternly? Absolutely fucking no. Not no. whatsoever. 
I just, I don't buy it. And, and, and it's because he only has one line delivery. It's yeah. because everything sounds down here, Johnny well, Cash. Here's like, he, here's the thing that drove me insane about, like, 45 minutes into the movie of, um, like, Johnny Cash doesn't really say all of his lines in a baritone. He sings all of his lines. Like, he is constant. I feel like the director must have pulled him aside and be like, listen, man, uh... You're not, you're 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 not doing like the spoken word intro to one of your songs. You can just talk like a human being. But he's like, I'm going to investigate those woods. Like he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's like like doing this weird half song for all of his lines, which I think is supposed to be cool and badass. But it just is like, why is this guy singing at me right now? I'm. I'm a I'm a human being. This is not a musical. Just talk normal. Yeah, so for me, the movie really loses steam at about the halfway mark when Potts arrests Wallace. Like, yeah. when John Wallace gets arrested. Because he spends the entire back half of this movie in jail. Uh, it's pretty much just Andy Griffith doing a real desperate Silence of the Lambs, basically going, you know, you're not gonna get me. You're gonna be embarrassed. And John and Johnny Cash going, "Oh yeah," and Andy Griffith go, "Yeah," and "Oh yeah, yeah." And it's that for a while. Now, to be clear, Andy Griffith is correct. John Wallace is correct. He does not have a body. There will he's not. He's thinking he's not gonna find the body so, because they burned the body. We should explain uh, John Wallace's master stroke to not get the death penalty. Of um, he goes to the local fortune teller. <laughs> Which is an old lady in a shack. We need um, to talk about this character. So the way this fortune teller works is you go in and you sit down and she says a bunch of crazy bullshit and then you leave. Because like, <laughs> Andy Griffith goes in and he's like, all right, so listen, I need some very specific forecasting about upcoming events. Is he going to find the body that I hid? And she's like, the crow flies at midnight and hell calls for the uh, the wicked. And and pools of moon juice spill from the heavens. And he's like, okay, but is he going to find the body, though? Is he going to find the body? Hey, is, I need you to be more specific. Is he going to find the body? Does that metaphor you just did mean that he's going to find the body? All right, I'm going to interpret everything you just said as he's going to find the body. I got to go. I don't understand. Well, no. I understand why this character is there. Throughout this, I was like, oh, it's so weird. Why is everyone consulting this fucking witch doctor lady played by June Carter Cash who is having a fucking blast? She is having like, so much fun. She's actually great. You, you, get, you get the feeling that, like, she put Johnny up to this, like, just so that she could do three scenes where she plays a weird swamp lady wearing a World War II uh, military helmet or military hat. And she is absolutely bad shit. The, the reason that they had to work this character in was because, yeah, there was a local seer involved in this shit. Because, because that actually happened. Yeah. Because a fucking local soothsayer did testify. Like, yes. In the, in the records of this actual murder, a local soothsayer. And so the writers of this movie were like, well, we got to do that. We got to work in the soothsayer. This fucking I mean, dipshit decided to involve a soothsayer. I mean, so, p picture that you're the writers of this movie. Uh, who are the writers of this movie? I should have probably said it at the beginning. Uh, written by Dennis Nemec and 
uh, based on a book by Margaret Ann Barnes and uh, directed by Gary Nelson. Gary Nelson directed a whole bunch of like episodes of Get Smart and was actually directing for well into the 90s. Uh, yeah, but he, it was just a TV director, you know, did some interesting things and nothing, nothing too worth noting. Directed The Black Hole and Freaky Friday and a lot of other like. Damn. Uh, yeah. So he had a pretty successful career. Uh, anyway, uh, so imagine that you're the writer of this, Dennis Nemec, or you're or and you're reading this book and you're like, the fucking soothsayer. I Wait, guess they, we gotta they do did a what? soothsayer scene. All I right. guess we gotta do this. I guess we gotta fucking do this. By the way, uh, I found I haven't found another place to mention it, so I will bring it up. Johnny Cash, Lamar Potts has a partner. It's his brother, J.H. They're sheriff and brothers. Sheriff uh, bros. And uh, J.H. is played by Earl Hindman. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you don't know who Earl Hindman is, and if you didn't recognize his face, it's because most famously, you've only ever seen his eyes with the top of his head covered by a fishing hat and the bottom of his head covered by Tim Allen's fence. It sounds like the worst riddle, but so this ruins it, it, the mystique of Wilson. One hundred percent. Yeah, Wilson. this ruins it. I know that he. I, once you see his chin, you're like, oh, he's lost all authority. <laughs> like real Wizard of Oz situation. Real, vo- real great voice on that guy, though. Like that's yeah. why they cast him as Wilson. Like great voice 100%. on that dude. One hundred percent. Jh is fine. He's fun. He's like the the funny part. He of. Yeah. Like I can't call him the straight man because uh, Johnny Cash is a straight man, but he's definitely like a welcome breath of air to the whatever the fuck Johnny Cash is doing. I should mention, have you gotten a chance to look at Mahaley Lancaster's Wikipedia page? I have not. Hey, you, you may be wondering, realized? why does the seer from this movie have a Wikipedia page? And the answer is, she participated in not one, but two high-profile cases where oh, she was really? called on by the defense of another case. And also, she ran for state legislator <laughs> on the platform of, hey, we should probably start building some roads and schools in Georgia. And uh, lost handily, but eventually they were like, but some of her platforms were eventually adopted, which is like, yeah, they probably built roads eventually. (laughs) She ran on the platform of like, hey, we should probably start doing that whole society thing. This character's infinitely more interesting. She's the most interesting person involved in this. Why Why is the movie not about her? It really should be about her. The IMDb page picked up on her as the most interesting part of this movie. They should have bullshit this movie a little bit and done it from the soothsayer's perspective. Because, like, I mean, she contributes almost nothing in terms of, like, the substantive changes to the plot. She tells Andy Griffith nothing and he just does some shit. And Johnny Cash shows up later and he's like, can you tell me anything about this case? And she's like, bad people go to hell. And he's like, all right, all right. Thanks for your time. She says, um, I see fire and water. And they're like, all right, well, that proves that she's magic because some stuff with fire happened and then some stuff with water happened. As a result of going to see the soothsayer before he gets arrested, Andy Griffith comes up with his masterstroke, which is if they're if they can't find a body... They can't put me in jail uh, or they can't they can't charge me for murder. So he has the idea of I'm just going to burn the living shit out of the body. Um, 
So he has it dragged out of the well that he threw it in, douses it with several gallons of moonshine, sets it on fire, and then has two guys, two uh, black ranch hands, throw the remains, the, the burned up remains in a river. And that's how he's like, got him. <laughs> no one's ever thought of this before. This is why don't all murderers just do this? <sighs> There's a pretty good moment between the two ranch hands where they're like, man, we should fucking bail. Do you want to do this? We should bail. And the other ranch hand is like, dude, he killed this guy over $50 and a cow. Yeah. Like, we're dude, we're in this shit. Yeah. Specifically, he says, like, he, dude, he just killed a white guy over this. We're so <laughs> fucked if we step out of line. <laughs> like, the basically, their role up until, like, the last quarter of the movie is just go, like, hey, by the way, we hate this. We don't want to be involved in any of this. I did not agree to drag a dead man out of a well, and I wish this wasn't happening. The two ranch hands are like a Greek chorus. If a Greek chorus was trying to leave the play the entire time, <laughs> they're just like, we, <laughs> we have some commentary and it's all about how we do not want to be here. You make it sound like they're Statler and Waldorf instead of two men, instead of two men who are very clearly the victims of this situation. <laughs> they're like if Statler and Waldorf were chained to the balcony. So he has his master stroke, get, destroys the body, uh, promptly gets gets the living shit arrested out of him, including one of his accomplices, who is just like, you know, the the sketchiest, most jittery accomplice. The the fat guy from Roadhouse accompanies him and is just like, hey, I'm uh, really jittery and incompetent and I don't really know what I'm doing. And it would be really bad if I got arrested. Just giving you a heads up, boss. If I get arrested, I will fold like a table. I swear to God. And he's just like, oh, come on. We're going to have a good time. Come get, come hang out in jail with me. I want to talk about the scene where uh, Sheriff Potts goes to Wallace's house and meets Wallace's wife. Because this woman gives the best, like, Stepfordian opium-induced thousand-yard yeah. stare I've ever seen. She is like, she has no problem letting the cops into his into the house and letting them search through his shit, find <laughs> the bloody clothes. She just like she opens the door and she's like, "Hello, oh, you're police officers. No, I don't know where my husband is." And then she, like, stares beyond them into the field and says, I've heard he has another that suits him better. She is Xanaxed out for this entire thing. It's a very bizarre decision to make for this character, and I adore it. Excuse Uh, me, the Quaaludes just kicked in, and I must go to the fainting couch. And, like, she... Not only is she not concerned, like, she's not concerned that her husband is going to jail because they found, like, his bloody clothing. Like, Johnny Cash is just like, you, is it okay if I take these? Yeah. Do you mind? She's she's just like, sure. Hey, would you like some flowers? (laughs) Can I get you some tea? I don't know what they're going for with this character, and we never see her again. 
The, and the, 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 what they're the, going the, for is the lady was actually like that, so they had to put it in the damn movie <laughs> where they were like, by the way, the wife was on a lot of quaaludes and just kind of let the cops roam around the house. So they were like, all right, let's make the wife a really interesting character who's also part of this back and forth. And reality was just like, can't. Sorry. <laughs> she basically actively helps the police. And that's what I'm saying is like the, it it makes this it makes Johnny Cash's character seem so much lamer just how fucking easy this is for him. But he does have a problem. The problem is that he can't find the body. Well, the pro- I just before we move on to the next thing, just really quick. Um you mentioned that they find some some bloody clothes. Uh I I'm a little sketchy on the scene. Did they find it like deep in Wallace's house? Was it like in the laundry room or did he hide it in the basement or something? No, it's on a fucking chair on the porch. Was it on the front porch? Is that <laughs> where like, he put it? It's like, it's, like, it's, it's like the back door. It's like in the back door. Like it's, it's like when, when I put clothes in front of the washing machine and I'm going to get to it eventually and it just sits there for three or four days. That's what's going on. And and I, I was kind of looking at my phone in this scene. Is there a lot of blood on the clothes or just like a little bit of blood? Is it just like, is it is it like a moderate amount of blood on a, like a plausible amount of blood on a guy's clothes? It looks like he was standing in front of the elevator in The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm getting it. And just last thing. I think they ask Andy Griffith about why there's some blood on his clothes. Does he give, like, a plausible explanation for it? He says that he was out riding and he scratched his arm on, like, a fence post or a briar brush. A briar. Like, a briar brush and, like, pulls open, like, pulls his shirt up and points at the tiniest scratch. (laughs) The shallowest wound. As as if he was getting ready to cut himself to make this, this story plausible. But with like with like a little uh, with a scalpel, it was less like ah okay that'll do yeah ah, ooh yeah like, uh. like a scratch that you could do with a pinky nail at most. It's so good. It is. It looks. It looks like he was in Evil Dead too. Like just just coated with dried blood. Um, it's it's fantastic. And from that moment on, as soon as they find a cl- a, sh- a shirt coated in human blood, the the movie is over, and everything else is just kind of like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Eventually, some people decide to come forward because really, I think the moral of the story is everyone's kind of sick of John Wallace's shit. He's like, I own this county. Nobody is gonna say shit, and all of the cops are like, oh, you know, we go into a. Uh, we, we go into Meriwether County, you know, that place is, the, it's the kingdom. Nobody's going to flip. He controls that place with an iron fist. And everyone was like, I'll narc. I would love to narc. Hey, I'll do some narking. Are, are people narking over there? I could go for a quick narc. Like, like and, they base their entire premise that no one will flip on one bitchy church lady. Yeah. Like, Johnny Cash talks to one, like, kind of shitty lady. At the beginning of his investigation, she gives him a little bit of lip, and then he goes, oh, this is going to be a tough one, and kind of waters off. But then eventually, everyone's just kind of like, so they get they get someone to tell about the about seeing them, them do the chase. They have witnesses from the restaurant. Uh, the two black field hands, uh, like, say, yeah, we, we burned the hell out of that body. You know, yeah. We burned it. 
Uh, and then no they find meaning on them whatsoever. He just shows up and he asks the field hands like, "Hey, uh, can you tell me what happened with that body?" And the guys are like, "Oh yeah, totally, man. Awesome. So glad you're here. Yeah, we burned the shit out of that body. We'll show you the exact place we did it. We'll show you the place we dumped it. Well, whatever you need, my dude. We got you. We'll show you the place we retrieved it out of. Everybody flips." The flipping continues. So they they find some human remains, like parts of a broken skull or whatever, like teeth uh, yeah. in the river. And then it goes to trial. Uh, there There is a trial now that they've got something resembling a body, now that they've got a lot of testimony, as I mentioned. It, there's like this one part where um, after they have all the evidence, they're like, all right, so they got the field hands who are going to testify that you burned a human body. So it's not looking good. And he goes, listen, this is Georgia. In the history of Georgia... No white man has ever gotten the chair based on the testimony of two black men. And besides, they're in Georgia. We're just going, they're going to have an accident. We'll get to them. I got people. Cut, hard cut to Johnny Cash being like, and they're safe. They're in a secure location. Nobody can get to them. We're getting their families out of here. So that's that plot line all wrapped up. Like there's not even a moment's tension that what Andy Griffith said is going to work. I'm I'm sure, listeners, you figured out how this is going to go here. But Andy Griffith looks directly at the camera and says, at no point in the state of Georgia has a white man ever gone to the chair because of what black men said. First IMDb trivia item. <laughs> the film is based on a real incident that happened in 1948 and resulted in the first time in the history of the state of Georgia where a white man was given the death sentence upon the testimony of two black men. Like, Ron Howard voice. It's, I was going to say, it's just Ron Howard voice where Andy Griffith says, don't worry, this maneuver I have is going to work. Immediately followed by a scene with Johnny Cash just going, it didn't work. <laughs> It's so good. I do want to talk about the second piece of trivia on the IMDb trivia page because it comes into play right now. Wallace hires a fancy defense attorney named A.L. Henson. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's like the best. He's a real good defense attorney. The guy who played the defense attorney was actually a real life attorney in real life, both both a prosecutor and a defense attorney. Uh, James Neal. And this dude is going to hell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on the one hand, as a prosecutor, he convicted like Richard Nixon's aides, three of them, uh, cool. during Watergate. Tight. So he was, yeah, he was, he was a Watergate prosecutor. But also as a defense attorney, he defended Exxon after the Exxon Valdez oil spill. And he successfully defended John Landis. Oh, after- Jesus. After the uh, the famous incident on the set of Twilight Zone, the movie, where John Landis killed a child. Two children and a guy. Killed two children. Yeah, f- killed two children uh, because he wasn't paying attention to fucking stunt regulations or child endangerment laws or child labor laws. Uh, I mean, I guess we can say this about him. Good lawyer, it appears. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> effective. Morality of that. I wouldn't even say debatable. But, um, Named by Forbes magazine as one of the five best trial lawyers of 1985. Clearly, he got a guy off for a triple decapitation. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so the, James the, Neal. They do introduce the lawyer with a fucking great line, which is, oh, man, he could make Sherman's march look like trespassing. Like, great line. There, there's also another good bit with uh, the soothsayer. June Carter Cash's 
bit where she comes in, she talks to her husband, Johnny, and the sheriff says something like, oh, I noticed you're wearing a different hat. Because this whole time she's been wearing like a, a sergeant's hat from the war. She says something like, uh, this was, that hat belonged to my brother. He died in World War One." Johnny says, I'm sorry for your loss. She says, oh, it's okay. We still talk. So good. Best it's character. It's so goddamn funny. Best it's character. so funny. <laughs> so, uh, Again, I, 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 this, this, this very serious true crime murder movie has a weirdly silly streak to it that I don't think is fully warranted, but appreciated, I will say. Well, I will say, there, there is a very silly scene where the defense attorney calls the soothsayer to the stand, and he just goes like, so you're a soothsayer. And she goes, yep, I can see the future. And he just goes, all right. And you're like, that didn't need to be in the movie at all. That was a weird thing. But it happened. They called a soothsayer to the stand, and she was like, yeah, but yeah, he did it. I'm a soothsayer. I'm saying he fucking killed that guy. So it was kind of, it's the thing of like, <laughs> the events of this murder were so fucking stupid that they kind of had to make a really dumb movie. I'm obsessed, dude. I'm going to go buy this book. I need to know every detail of this case that didn't make it into the movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that there's a treasure trove of good shit. That'll, that's going to be our spinoff. We are now a true crime podcast about this one extremely solved murder. <laughs> Most solved a murder has ever been. Actually, you know what? I'm Martin Schneider. You're listening to an extremely solved murder. You may be this wondering. act of grisly human violence is brought to you by Squarespace. I mean, that's that's how we fucking get uh, get on this. If y'all aren't going to give reviews to Breaking Mayberry, we're going to do this. We need to get that money. <laughs> that, this is where we got to go. It's either uh, become a true crime podcast or go alt right. One uh, of those is going to is going to result in us going to hell. As I looked at the soothsayer's testimony, I couldn't help but wonder, is there any way to wrap up a case this simply? Is there any way we can truly know who is capable of atrocities? The answer, it turns out, is extremely yes. <laughs> Very much so. Very clearly. Bum, 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 bum. And as I read through John Wallace's testimony, I had lingering questions that were immediately answered by the next testimony. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> oh, fucking, this fucking case. Yeah, it's, this, is, this is the story of the dumbest motherfucker. In the state, who vastly overestimated the fact that he was, he didn't realize, he thought he was in a movie. He thought he was in a daytime TV movie, and he didn't realize that this was real life. And then they made a daytime TV movie about it. Up to and including the point where he takes the stand for no reason. With his, like, the judge says, you have the right to take the stand. You will not be under oath, but you can take the stand if you would like. You do not need to. And his attorney, who we just established is a real good fucking attorney, is like, don't you dare. Don't you fucking do it. Don't you do it. Well, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell y'all what's gonna go on. 
Yeah, he's like, I have these people eaten out of the palm of my hand. And there was a brief moment where, like, I was like, oh, shit, he's going to pull it off. Like, because it's like, it's Andy Griffith. He's getting up in a room to to stand up, to talk to a bunch of people. And like, now I'm just a simple country mob boss. But I knew a couple of down-home truths. And you're like, holy shit, he's going to do it. And is just greeted with crickets. Just absolute bone silence as he and he gets down he's like so how'd i do and the lord just goes you just fucking killed yourself you i just watched you commit suicide he stands up and just talks the most gibberish ever he like confesses to all of it he's like now listen did i kill that man yes did i mean to no also i did it over county lines so he doesn't have jurisdiction that, I rest that's my case. That's the big point that the lawyer tries. Like after they've after it's been very clear that this happened, uh, the attorney, the defense attorney, pulls a defense attorney move and says, "All right, well, hang on. Do we know that Wilson died in Cayuga County in Kuwaita County? We don't. We don't know that Wilson died in Kuwaita County. He may have died in Merriweather County. And if the death happened in Merriweather County," then this arrest was illegal because he didn't have jurisdiction. And who uh, who's going to know? Who can testify to that? Well, it's going to be the other guys who drove him in the car. So, hey, everybody, uh, guess what? We're all going to have you testify that uh, this arrest shouldn't have happened and that, that death happened in, uh, in Merriweather County. And then we get a treat of all the other guys' lawyers going, no. <laughs> like, four lawyers in a row go up and go, Absolutely not. My guy is not going to testify. What the fuck, dude? No. Yeah, no. he's, my, he's it, not going it, to incriminate himself. It's it's really good. This is where the movie picks up again for me, honestly. This yeah. courtroom scene, it's great. Because you're like, you're like, oh, they're swinging for it. Oh, shit, this is going to happen. Uh, they're going to do a technicality. And then that gambit immediately fails. It's fun to watch these gambits pop up and then immediately get struck down. The, I love the wind up to that is the lawyer stands up and he's like, now, listen, Sheriff Potts may have a lot of evidence uh, incriminating my client. Some would almost say a ridiculous amount of evidence. Some would almost say that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he did it. But like, like he, he, tr- he, he, he tries to push for the technicality, but the technicality yeah. would then like implicate four other dudes in this murder and they're all like no bye <laughs> the best part is um wallace is like getting taken to the courthouse one of his one of his lawyers is talking to me he's like listen man you need to start taking this seriously not only did they find the bone fragments in the river they also went to the fucking well and you left half a brain in there like they were like they were like they found his brains and uh wallace just goes well that could be cow brains to which he goes they can test that they sent it to a lab they're gonna prove that it's human brains also why would there be cow brains in a well and so we we get like he's uh he's obviously convicted so he's convicted uh you know what's going to happen is somebody is going to comment on this on Twitter and be like, actually, it was pretty common to put cow brains in wells back then. Because cool. all of our listeners are weirdly knowledgeable about stuff like that. He, Wallace is convicted. And right before his execution, 
Potts goes to visit him, and while Andy Griffith delivers my favorite line in this entire thing, uh, and it, it's to show like how clearly dis like removed from reality this dude is. I mean, honestly, you might want to go watch this movie right now. If you might want to go watch this movie, if you are in the mood to see like a wealthy, arrogant white man be completely deluded and have all of his delusions fall apart right in front of him, leading to his death. He, that's very entertaining, to be honest. Which his big thing is basically like, he says like, there's going to be a phone call. There's already, there's always a phone call. His basic end argument why he's not about to die is like, listen, I get it. I clearly did it. Everybody knows I did it. But I'm a wealthy racist white man. And this is America. And I'm like, oh, shit, he has a point. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Advantage this guy still. My favorite line in the entire movie is Andy Griffith, John Wallace, looking at Potts, uh, Johnny Cash, and saying, he he tries to do, like, the the heat bar scene. We're not so different, (laughs) you and me. We both love power. We both like to do this. And... Johnny Cash is, I don't know if he's just not a good enough actor or if he just genuinely doesn't, character genuinely doesn't care, but he's just like, yeah, whatever, man. I don't, I'm just, I'm just here as a favor. I'm polite. I don't care. Uh, and then, and then Andy Griffith says with delight, without a hint of irony in his voice, you're always looking down on me and my murdering ways. <laughs> Well, I've only ever killed about four or five men in my life. (laughs) And they all had it coming. Which, like, bold move to confess to several more murders. (laughs) On, like, on the off chance that, like, yeah, that call from the governor comes in and you get pardoned. Johnny Cash just go like, oh, by the way, he just confessed to four other fucking murders (laughs) ten minutes ago. So, let's start it back up again. (laughs) Johnny Cash walks out. He does not stick around for the execution. And the last scene of the movie is, like, immediately after that, they, like, cut to a couple of, like, shots, interstitial shots of him being strapped in, head shaved bald, up on the chair. And I feel like we don't even really get a shot of, like, his face as it dawns on him, like, oh, shit, this is happening. Uh, Yeah. They they ask him. No, what no, is, we do, we do. You yeah. get Andy Griffith actually does sell the scene where there is a moment where he just goes like, "Oh fuck, the call's not happening," yeah. and he does a thing of like, "Only God knows the contents of my heart," and it's like real. You get to see like, like the one brief minute where the delusion drops, and he's like, "Oh fuck, I'm about to die." Zap. Roll credits, basically. Hard hard credits on the lever, and then they just go to. All the other fucking people that got arrested and went to jail. Yeah, and then it basically just like does a wrap up. So it, I'm I'm gonna say I'm I'm gonna say ultimately I think this movie's pretty good. Like, I would I would I don't know if I would say this movie is pretty good, but I think after the week we've all had, <laughs> uh, if you need to see a rich old Southern racist get absolutely speed bagged and know that it actually happened <laughs> that a motherfucker got wrecked this hard it's a good flick it's good to just know like oh yeah this is nice this is some good shit i, th- I think the movie's pretty pretty good uh honestly i think i think the first bit the first act is good the second act loses a lot of steam and then when we get to the uh, the trial i think it gets good again 
Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I, I will recommend it. You know, it's on Tubi. You will not pay any money for it. Murder in Coweta County. Uh, once again, Andy Griffith running as far from Mayberry as she as he possibly could. I feel like he was trying to escape it so far that I feel like right before he, uh, right before he ended up doing Matlock, he was just like Hitler. Like he was just like doing Hitler biopics and shit like that. Uh, just like like portraying Sherman during his march and just pissing <laughs> all over the South. <laughs> like just. Like, he's basically doing movies, like, every week of just, like, I hate you fucks! Shit, eat shit! But the Andy Griffith show was a lie! Fuck you! I'm not that man! Please stop seeing me as that man! Please stop calling my house! And then he gives up about three years later, just as Matlock. Like, he's like, yeah. alright, fine, whatever. Fine, I'm your fucking, I'm, I'm America's dad, I'm the proto-Tom Hanks, fucking whatever. Uh, and that... And that there is it is. On County, yeah. And we are goddamn done. Fucking Breaking Mayberry season four is over. We've been in this season for so long. Yeah. So long. Let me, let me, I think I had this up a second ago. We have been in season four since February of 2021. Christ. That is how long yeah. we have been in season four. Folks, we're taking a break. We're taking the summer off. Uh, yeah. we'll be, we'll be back. If you are a Patreon subscriber, we are going to use this downtime to get caught up on the bonus episodes. So right now, good time to join our Patreon. $8 a month gets you everything. All of our yeah. bonus episodes, access to our, uh, discord, all sorts of other fun goodies. Come join us. Patreon.com slash breaking Mayberry plug over. Uh, but we're taking some time off. We'll be back. We'll be taking off. We're taking it off. We'll be back August and August. With yeah. uh, with a with a new with another between between se- seasons mid series, uh, mini series. In the meantime, if you want more Breaking Mayberry content, like you said, go to the Patreon. And now's a good time to introduce all of your friends. Tell all your friends and family about the podcast. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Leave us a rating so that this like this one from Grant isn't the first thing people see when they look at our podcast Jesus about Christ. hating the elderly. <laughs> Though that is more or less our official position at this point. God, and next season, the last one of uh, Barney Fife, we will be free. I I feel like that monkey paw is going to curl on us, buddy. Oh, yeah. yeah God knows sure. what replaces him. Uh, I do not know anything about the color. Uh, I know very little era. about the, the, yeah, the color years. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to have fun with that, but we'll be back. You're not getting rid of us that easily. In the meantime, thank you all so much for listening, for sticking with us through this multi-year experiment of ours. It's been so great to have all of you. Thank you. Special shout out to all of our Patreon, our current Patreon subscribers. The music you have heard is made by Max Ludwig. He is on Twitch as at Sleep Talkie. I am on Twitter, although I might not be for very long, uh, as Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. Uh, we are on Twitter at Break Mayberry. Uh, Facebook, we are, check out the Breaking Mayberry fans official Facebook group. Instagram, Breaking Mayberry. We don't use that. Don't touch that. Tell your friends about us. Tell, let them get caught up and binge through all of our episodes. We'll see you all in a little bit on the fishing hole. Down at the fishing hole. God, I'm not good at this. Oh.
Boo.